Say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is a Wednesday, June the 30th. Happy EOFI, everybody. Uh, welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And yes, it's the end of the financial year, but I also have an, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive, but with everything that's going on, not just you know, in football, but in Australia, it's it's got a, a scary feeling to it, doesn't it? All these teams getting rushed to Melbourne. I'm like, I feel like the AFL, like Australia, sort of got through last year. It's incredible to pull off what happened last year. And you're like, wow, whew, geez, I don't know how many times you could pull that off. And I get the feeling we're about to find out, can you pull it off two years in a row? Well, I guess the advantage of everybody being in Melbourne is that, most of the teams are based in Melbourne anyway. Well, yep. not most, but like a, a lot of the teams are based. Actually, most. 10 out of the 18 teams are basically based in Victoria. <laughs> so I'm going to say that qualifies as most of the teams are based in Victoria. So it will be interesting to see, does that favour? I mean, last year's premiership was won by a Melbourne team mm. played in Queensland. Does this suddenly favour the Brisbane Lions? Like last year, did they wilt under the pressure of having to do it, you know, in their home preliminary final to go into their own home grand final was it too much for them suddenly they're down in melbourne they don't have to worry about the pressure of expectation like is this a good thing for the brisbane lions well you would hope so because they looked so good last week if nothing had changed if things were staying the way they were the bulldogs had an impressive win and we'll get to them but the lions looked awesome they looked like a team who were just getting it together at the right time you know who's not going to like it joe danher <laughs> like Joe's done everything he can to fucking get away. They should make him live in Essendon <laughs> just oh, for wow. shits and giggles. We've booked you a separate room by yourself in Essendon. Yeah, we've booked you into that house where we gave people those secret injections. <laughs> we held on to the lease. <laughs> yeah, we, look, we signed a 15-year lease. <laughs> we're still running out the end of it. <laughs> we, were very, uh, we were very optimistic about that program when it started. But if we can make some of that rent back, that'd be great. <laughs> We were trying to turn it into a vaccines hub, but the government just won't put it on the books. Well, I guess it does. If you had any kind of, well, I'm just trying to think. Brisbane, you're right. They're probably the the number one interstate team. I was going to say, like, if if West Coast hadn't lost last week, you'd say, well, maybe that inconvenience is West Coast. But I feel like, unless unless last Sunday was an aberration, I feel like maybe we can put a line through West Coast. I just sort of feel like it's not their year. Whatever's going on I think over West Coast will struggle from here. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, without the fortress at home, like, you know, whether that's to play there or whether it's actually not getting to play there at all, I think this probably isn't great for West Coast. We, I mean, West Coast hated Queensland. Maybe West Coast don't hate Melbourne. Maybe this is a different scenario to last year because they clearly hated being in the hub last year. They absolutely hated Queensland. But do they feel the same about Victoria? Well, the interesting question is the team that one of the teams that favors is the Saints. Like we had a very hard run home. We had to play West Coast in WA and Brisbane at the Gabba, but it looks like they'll be both be played in Melbourne now. And we know last year the Saints 
loved the hub. We went away, we bonded, you know, the players played golf and surfed and stuff. Does the hub have the same? It, like, if you have a sleepover at your mate's place, but he only lives three doors down, is that as exciting and as bonding as, like, you know, going to the country and having a sleepover or travelling across town to have a sleepover at your mate's place? I mean, you're probably not as tempted to scale the wall for a kebab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I go to that kebab shop all the time. Like, it's not actually as appealing as it would ordinarily be. Well, yeah. I, I I think that it just depends how these – because, you know, they're looking at, like, how, where we're going to play all these games. And so they're looking at kind of VFL grounds and smaller grounds and stuff. I saw someone put a tweet out saying, like, action sports and none are wadding. Uh, court three is going to be reserved for the Carlton Fremantle game. <laughs> it sort of does have that kind of feeling to it. It's like they have to sort of find – if all the teams are going to be in Victoria Lake and there's also amateur teams playing as well. Like, do you have to wait for, like, the Bayswater under-12s to get off the ground? before like Brisbane can take on Geelong? I mean, I think, you know, so obviously the problem with playing two games in the same stadium on the same day is getting the huge crowds in and out, right? Yeah. So you've got to get one of those teams and obviously the damage that can also be done to the turf, right? So they're the two things they've got to consider. But you're not going to do a lot of damage to the MCG turf if you play the Bayswater under-12s there. Yeah, right. So what I'm suggesting is <laughs> that the Bayswater under-12s get to play openers for an actual AFL match, and then one of the teams, your Fremantle and Carlton, have to go out and play at Bayswater. I'd love it. And you really need to to maximise the time off the ground so the AFL teams can play. So you could have like the Bayswater under-12s taking on the East Brighton Vampires under lights mm. on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> right, Friday night footy. <laughs> oh, it's good enough for me to get into my hoodie. <laughs> I yeah look it's interesting I mean it's obviously a complex time for the uh, entire country I should mention if anyone was coming to my Brisbane shows at the powerhouse on Sunday they are now not happening on Sunday they will hopefully happen at some other stage later on in the year but um, uh, it's just a weird time for everyone and the irony that Melbourne that has been almost the emblem of like the problems with COVID in Australia is now basically the only safe place in the country suggests to me that Melbourne started this whole thing. Well, yeah. I think this is an undercover Victorian who has gone on the road to infect the rest of the states as some sort of, fuck you, we've cleaned ours up, you're all infected now. But now that you say that, I know you're talking about Melbourne the city, but if you also mm. include Melbourne the football team, just say like, okay, so the season goes off with its challenges, but pretty much without a hitch. And we play all the finals in Melbourne and Melbourne make the grand final and then Melbourne win the grand final. There's some real poetry to that, isn't it? That Victoria saved Australian rules football and the old, one of the oldest clubs in the land, Melbourne, the Melbourne, you know, the capital of Victoria, that team wins the premiership. I think there is some romance to that. There's an interesting statistic at the moment that essentially there's like seven major Australian sporting championships and all the teams that hold the cups are from Melbourne. So an argument could be made that Melbourne's disastrous year off the field last year actually was an incredible positive thing for Melbourne sport. Like seven teams at the top level in all their various competitions won. Is that a coincidence? Probably. But I'm going to read more into it, which is that these athletes operate better when they are away from their families and yeah. the families are really the problems. 
And I think every season, for the benefit of the teams, they should be removed from their families and put in a hub regardless of the COVID situation. Well, I have noticed the AFL have been very cautious in their uh, in their press releases about what's happening in Victoria and where the players not to use the word hubs because I think there was an agreement with the AFL Players Association or something that they weren't going to do hubs again. That was just a, a once-off. I believe Gillen McLaughlin came out in his press conference and said, we don't want no hubs. A hub is a guy I can't get no love from me. <laughs> yeah. He is being so cautious. He actually had to change a tie the other day and, and he said, I'll just need some tools to take off the, uh, the wheel cap so I can <laughs> get to my, uh, get to the tie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They're talking about another festival to football, like, you know, short and breaks. That is going to be a huge factor because there's got to be some teams who are like, geez, you know, Richmond's have done it the last couple of years where you just nurse your team right up until the final. So you've got some injuries and stuff, but you know, you feel like you can with enough game time and stuff, but now you start introducing short turnarounds and it's like, well, we'll really find out where the injury lists sit on the, on each club. So there's been a lot of debate at the moment about the integrity of the game. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that in a competition that is an even amount of games in an even amount of places at the best of times isn't really like chock full of integrity. We look over a lot of things for the basis of all the other competing factors that make up our game. This, there were some people just going, well, if they went to 18 minute quarters for a festival of football, this would just like mean the whole season was like yeah. completely devalued. And all, like, I'm like, calm down. Yeah. It's, Unusual times. We're all trying to do the best we can. I don't think it is going to ruin the integrity of the entire season if they if they were playing every day. They decided to go to eighteen minutes plus time on rather than twenty minutes plus time on. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I had that argument as well, and it's, it's it's sort of similar to when Mick Malthouse came out last year and said, "Whoever wins in twenty twenty, there's an asterisk next yeah. to it." I'm like. I don't think so. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like whoever wins that team of all the great attributes you can, you know, give to that team, one thing you could say is, well, they're adaptable. They were able to go well, from playing 20-minute quarters to 18-minute quarters. I think that's a plus. I think isn't that the idea of we're an anywhere, anytime team? Yeah, exactly. Like that's what everybody like aspires to be an anywhere, anytime team. I think literally this is the definition of anywhere, anytime, because you don't often each weekend at the moment, you literally don't know where you're going to be playing and you don't know what time of the day it's going to be, what the timing of it's going to be, whether you're going to have to rock up at the Oval and sleep in the cricket nets for five hours. That is anywhere, <laughs> anytime. This is the ultimate, like, uh, you know, AFL experience. Yeah. I, he, look, here's what I've been thinking, right? I've heard that argument that it's unfair and, you know, it changes the integrity of the competition. So what we do is like, no matter when the pandemic ends and we can go back to full capacity and you know full games and all that kind of stuff, we agree now that we're going to play another three years or equal to the number of years during the pandemic under the same rules where just randomly during a season, all the clubs have to scramble to one state, right? And then they've got to set up a hub. So we just keep the situation entirely the same, only you know there's no pandemic to deal with. But then we add a bit of extra sauce to it and we make it like a musical chairs kind of thing. So at the start of the season, you can name where like you get your 11 home games and your 11 away games. And you can also nominate like states you want to get hub to. But if you get it wrong, if you get your predictions wrong and you get locked out when the hub moves to say Queensland, eh -eh, you're out. So you can have like a mass elimination. So you can have clubs trying at the start of the year to guess, okay, this is these are our two safety states. These are our two hub states. Maybe they get two, three shots at it. But if you get locked out, you're out. So for instance, in this case- I mean, case, you're essentially doing the old um, roller skating rink 
like with the the cards they would pull out, and if you're in the club's corner, you got eliminated from the yeah. ring until there was one person left. <laughs> exactly. So we just do that, and that kind of equals out the integrity of the competition, doesn't it? Here's what I would say about uh, timing of quarters. I think because at this point of the season, there are sometimes some teams who would happily not play full quarters. In fact, there's some games where we could all just happily go. You know what? Let's just play 12 minute quarters. We'll get the gist of how you guys would have gone against each other. Perhaps during the week, you know, this is a bubble thing. We want to create more attention around the games. We get the two. I don't know if it's the presidents. Yeah, I think the presidents. So Tony Cochran can be involved. Yes. We AFL 360. On a Tuesday night, they get the two presidents of the competing teams on and they are able to haggle over how long the quarters should go. Yeah. So, like, you know, Luke Beveridge might come in and go, we're like, we kick three more goals in the last three minutes of every quarter. So, I'm going to go in with like 22 minutes. I want to go 22 minute quarters. But you're playing against the Gold Coast Suns who like start well, but that can't run out the quarters. Okay, we want to play 12. And then you see them negotiate how long the quarters will go for on live TV. Well, I reckon negotiating should just be stage one. Then we have a test of physical strength. I reckon it's like an, it's <laughs> a knockout yeah. kind of like just they they get a joust and they get to – I mean, wouldn't you love to see like Tony Cochran and I don't know. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got this completely wrong. Like I was thinking they debate each other, but no, it's a series of physical challenges. So like sumo suits. Yeah. Maybe like a handball competition. Yeah. Like, uh, like an electronic bull, you know, like a bucking bronco yeah, bull. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Basically anything that was a game on Hey Hey It's Saturday, we do that. Then the last one is a pluck a duck. You just spin. All the... All those props would still be down at Channel 9. You just get the team at Footy Confidential to roll them onto set and they, they do it there. Oh, that's great because Caroline Wilson is kind of like the Red Simons of Footy Classified. She's the real hanging judge, you know, so she could come out with the frozen chooks nailed to the wheel. I mean, you can just imagine like Hutchie, you know, like running a sumo suit competition between Tony Cocker and Beppo. <laughs> Uh, now let's talk about the dogs, the dogs, the new premiership favourites. So I feel like for the last month, every week, we're saying there's new premiership favourite. Do you remember when Geelong were the premiership favourites like seven yeah, days ago? Last week. <laughs> last week. Literally one week ago. We are so hysterical in this game at the moment. Like everything is, a, it's, I think it's reflective of society in general. If you go on social media at the moment, it's just brutal like people are fraying at the edges like they are everyone like just comes in at a nine and only goes up from there and i feel like traditionally in the footy season around this time we start to go a bit stir crazy and complain about everything and think everything's a disaster but obviously with everything else covid related on top it has stirred the bananas pot and people are just going going off the edge at the moment well who's been premiership favorites this year like you know Everyone's. I feel like Richmond. I claimed Richmond. Richmond. I said Richmond that two weeks ago. They, Richmond until they weren't, and I reckon that was only two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Geelong have been favourites. The Bulldogs, the Demons have Port yeah. Adelaide. I think it felt like at the start of the year we we're all on. Well, you're a Port Adelaide yeah. believer, so they were favourites. Is there anyone else? Brisbane Lions. Brisbane. Brisbane. So now it's it's. Well, is it Brisbane or the Dogs' time to be Premiership favourites? Because I've heard commentary on both teams this week. I think it's Melbourne's until they lose it, is my opinion. Like, I think that you can't 
Like Melbourne have done enough this season to prove that they should be the premiership favourite and it's theirs until they lose it now, I think. I think the Brisbane and the Bulldogs are on the next level, but not far behind. I think there would be nothing that would chill a Melbourne supporter more to the bone in the sentence, it's yours to lose. <laughs> because, <laughs> don't you reckon? Like if you're, if, as a Saints fan, if you said that to me, I'd be like, that's too okay. much pressure. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, mate. You'll have no excuses if you don't win it this year. All the games are in Melbourne. You're playing at home. You are the premiership favourites. You've got like spare forwards in the seconds. Like you don't have injury issues. To be honest, if you fuck it up from here, it's on you and entirely on you. Anyway, good luck, Melbourne. Uh, Rob Harvey <laughs> had his first game as coach. Uh, it wasn't a disappointing uh, loss. It was only a two-goal loss in the end. It was very close right at the end. Uh, what do you reckon? About the major talking point from that game, of course, Brody Grundy's haircut. I assume oh. is what we're about to talk about. No, I didn't see. What was Brody Grundy's haircut? Hang on. Did you not see the game? Firstly, good game. I thought Collingwood played pretty well. The other mob were just a little bit better at the end. But like, yeah, no disgrace for Robert Harvey. But you've not seen Brody Grundy's hair? No. Brody Grundy is a cat that I would have said was like, you know, a pretty good looking cat. But I wouldn't have said that he was like, a superstar, handsome, like model looking person. He still had, you know, the ponytail and all those sort of things. It still gives you a little um, creepy avatar sort of look, you know, there's just some sort of, <laughs> avatar? you know, oh, well, there's just something about like a, a long gangly guy with a ponytail that yeah. just, but you've got, I'm, I'm in fact, I'm going to Google a, a picture and drop it into the, the window here because he has got this very sort of like modern, like haircut and he looks like a movie idol hang on like, he looks so like he's Alex cut the Rant. long he's cut the long hair the long hair's gone like oh my bucks God. is gone and the locks are gone he he the team needs a reinvention he has reinvented his look i wonder if that suggests then then the the brody gun grundy ponytail or top knot of the samurai hair was a nathan buckley directive do you reckon mm. nathan set him down and said broads i got Five haircuts I love. Number one, flat top. <laughs> Number two, short back and sides. <laughs> Number three, even shorter back and sides. Number four, ponytail. Uh, by the way, because uh, I've Googled Brody Grundy hair and I forgot that he had cornrows. That what? doesn't really hold up these that. days, does it? No. Oh. Um, all right, I'm going to try to find like an image of him from the – you would think it would be easier to find more. Like you would think more people were googling this. I'm surprised <laughs> that there hasn't been more photos of Brody Grundy's new haircut posted online. I think that's our. Um, I think that's our specialist uh, uh, section. While you're googling that, I've got something that I can read out to you. Um, this was being sent around today. Uh, a lot of people forwarded onto our Twitter account. This is released by the North Melbourne PR department. Um, and it's an apology letter to Ben Cunnington. Have you seen this? No. So it's a it's a form that you can print off and fill out and send in to Ben Cunnington as an official apology. So it goes from I like from the other players uh, in the team. Is no, that, no. <laughs> is that the idea? Sorry for letting you down for so long. Sorry that you've had to carry us on your shoulders. Well, it's all please look, don't punch all, me in the guts at training. It's all done in in good humour. But there is a suggestion, like a passive-aggressive suggestion, that this is going to North Melbourne supporters who maybe have been shit-talking or undervaluing Ben Cunnington, which I can't imagine uh -huh. there's many of, but I'll, I'll just read it to you. So it's Ben Cunnington okay. and an apology letter. I, blank, apologize for not showing Ben Cunnington the respect he deserves and now understand he is one of the greatest inside midfielders of his generation. 
I withdraw all previous disrespect towards Ben Cunnington and support all calls for his inclusion in the All-Australian team. What? The- <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. But do you, do you pick up that tone? I do pick up that tone. Okay, I so absolutely under- pick up that tone. Underneath that statement is uh, some uh, boxes you can check. So previous reasons for not rating Ben Cunnington. So you're meant to fill these out. Number one, I don't watch North Melbourne games. Number two, I thought he was a fisherman, not a footballer, <laughs> which I think <laughs> yeah, good. we've been guilty of. <laughs> Three, I've never heard his voice. And four, and whoever wrote this, I hope they've got a good relationship with Ben Cunnington because it's, I didn't recognize him with his new hair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, if you didn't recognize Ben Cunnington with the small amount of new hair that he has then you are the only person who also fell for the fact that Clark Kent was mostly Superman <laughs> for the glasses. Yeah. Like, it's the same level of disguise. Ben Cunnington somehow looks older with his uh, toupee or whatever it is, his plugs. How'd <laughs> you go so with Rhodes? I've managed to find a photo of him when he got his hair cut, mm. but it doesn't show the back of it, but you'll probably be able to get, like, the gist of okay. what he's rocking there. And I'm going to see if I can find um, one from playing on the weekend. Oh, here you go. Oh, okay, so I, I've got the shot. I mean, look, uh, I don't think I would have immediately recognised him because his beard looks a bit thicker too. It's it's certainly well. So he's got no, he had no beard on the weekend. So you've oh. got to imagine this. This is the haircut. So he's got rid of the beard as well. So it's that like kind of floppy, you know, teen idol like yeah. style haircut. He looked- it's cut. Short up the back, but still with like a little length just at the sort of the top there. Flop fringe, no beard. Handsome as fuck. Yeah, he looks like he could be like the bass player for ballpark music or something. Right. He's got a bit of like an indie <laughs> an indie rocker vibe. Yeah, right. He is a handsome chap, but I don't know. It's a bit like when, you know, someone who you've always known to wear glasses suddenly isn't wearing glasses. You're like, oh, the face just looks a bit different. Um, Will, we've got some uh, an update on our rowling coverage. Someone uh, tipped us off. So Matt Rowell. Uh, he's been, you know, look fairly understated in, in his games back. We keep waiting for that big breakout game, but I think it's, uh, I can maybe entertain the idea that maybe he's not going to win the Brownlow um, this year. I feel like Gold Coast definitely aren't going to barnstorm into the finals. Well, um, you know why he's not going to win the Brownlow? Because why? on Brownlow night, there's only one person who's going to win the fucking Brownlow medal this year, oh, as far as I am concerned. Yes. His name is uh, Bontempelli, M, because that man is... Like, play, you know that for the last couple of seasons, I have had this thing of going, because you can just see how good he was, but I just want him to have one of those seasons where like week after week, he just like was like, all right, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. The level that he is dominating games, like he is such a fucking beautiful footballer to watch. It's amazing. Like he, I was thinking about him uh, when I saw that, that goal he kicked, that insane, how did he even bend it through the goals on the run? He has so many weapons, it's sort of unfair. Like he, It's like you've got a key position forward who can play midfield. He's like a supercharged Josh Kennedy or, or something like that. He's such an impressive footballer, and he's so young. In fact, your entire list, and now they're going through how old everyone is. I'm like, oh, my God. And this is without even, you know, Ugal, Ugin, what's his, Ugin, uh, Jamara J- Ugal Hagen. Ugal Hagen. And then uh, Sam Darcy, who looks really oh, good. <laughs> Sam Darcy. Might be a, like a top... A top five draft pick as well. Well, it's like when the Cats got all those father-sons in the mid-2000s. And it's like, 
Yeah. They just had their own mini academy. It was called a bloody sex academy. It's got a reproduce Yeah, I mean, academy. I think this is some great long-term planning by the Bulldogs. I'd love to find out that this was all like, you know, a Peter Gordon plan. He goes, yeah, right. we've got one plan for this. Just get on the job. You're no good on the field, <laughs> but get home and get on the job. Because how many father-sons do you have? So you got Riley West. Who else? Liberatore. Uh, Lucky Hunter. Tom Liberatore. Who's Lucky Hunter's dad? Um, Mr. Hunter. Bill Hunter, <laughs> the actor. Nothing to do with football, but... <laughs> the actor, Bill Hunter. <laughs> Found out he was drafted when they rang the local pub, which is the only phone calls Bill will take. <laughs> Um, uh, Wallace, Mitch Wallace. Holy is a shit, father you do son. have a heap of father son. That's crazy. I'm missing another one. There's, I think there's another one as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yes. Yeah. No, they look really they look really impressive. And it's just, I feel like if it comes down to, say, Melbourne, Brisbane and the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs, because they've got the experience, you've actually been there, you're more mature now, you maybe got one ahead of schedule. I think, yeah, I think you should be... Uh, I think you should be feeling pretty confident, Well, heading into finals. Well, I mean, it's Melbourne's to lose, clearly. But if somebody, <laughs> if they want to lose it to someone, I'm happy for them to lose it to us. Uh, thank you to everyone who reached out to me on, on Saturday to tell me to turn on the TV. On Friday, sorry, I should say. Dude, um, I was like sitting there watching it. It was so amazing. And I was keeping going, when can I message <laughs> where it's safe? Like, when can I message it? And then I was just like, no, 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 no. Just, like, just let him... Just wait. And then I found out you weren't even watching it. Yeah. I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I just was – I felt I felt so um, exhausted by this year. And I was like, I just – because the Adelaide game taught you that even if you're 36 points up in the third quarter, you can't relax. And I just – I'd had a lot of work to do and, and I just didn't want to think about it. It's just one stress – less stress I didn't need. So, But I did have a lot of people texting me and I just politely informed them that I, I wasn't watching but I was checking the score. And look, it was – it was good. You know, I think the obvious thing is we need Ron Marshall. <laughs> like, we are such a better team when Ron Marshall and Paddy Ryder to play. Like, it just brings everyone else into the game. It frees up Max King so he doesn't have, like, the number one defender all the time. It brings our half forwards into the game. It just drags everything forward. So, yeah. You know what I think it is? Is I think St Kilda almost forgot St Kilda are a hard team that don't look hard. Like when you guys are at your best, you play like a high pressure game, like a high pressure game, and you sort of almost like leaned into we're going to be a bit slicker and glamorous and you know flashier. And I actually don't think that that is the current St Kilda way. I think that you guys are a really great because it wasn't like pretty St Kilda were brilliant, yeah, but they smashed Richmond, so that's like that that worked. You know, yeah. it wasn't particularly flashy it wasn't like but it was the pressure was just intense and consistent it was richmond's lowest score since like 1967 or something like that we we broke all kinds of records that night it's just and it was so st kilda like it just it just <laughs> you know two weeks or a week after they break your hearts with that tragic fucking buy uh, that tragic fucking adelaide loss then they do that and it's just like i mean the crazy thing is I, I tried to fight the feeling of enjoying it, but I couldn't help it. <laughs> like I was, I wanted to be angry at them. I wanted to hold on to that anger a bit longer and not give them, you know, the satisfaction of, of watching the game. But then I watched it and then I watched it again and then I watched highlights and then I consumed every bit of media around it afterwards. I'm like, that's it. That's what they do to you. They, you just cannot, you cannot quit them. 
Well, I hadn't sat down and watched the St Kilda game for a while, and I was impressed. Like, I enjoyed watching them. I thought Dunstan played, like, yeah. a game unlike... I, I didn't realise that he was capable of that. I then heard them say in the commentary he's had, like, three or four good games in a row where he's got, like, high possessions. But I was like, who's this dude? Like, I've yeah. seen you play. You can't play this well. Well, he hasn't... He's been, like, on the outer for almost two years because we just kept drafting kind of inside midfielders. And Luke Dunstan, he's tough, but he's just... A, he's a bit dodgy by foot. And so they had him in the reserves, but he he's one of those players who just dominates at the VFL level, was racking up like, you know, 35 plus possessions a week and kicking a couple of goals, but then just didn't seem to make that transition. But what they've done in the last few weeks is just, they gave him some tagging roles to get his confidence up. And then he just went head to head with Dusty. And I think it's that, a bit of that Ben Cunnington factor, which is like, right. oh, you're not a superstar, but you're tough and you've got leadership. And that's the other thing we're really badly missing. Is and you're going like, to ruin someone else's day. Yeah. He's got a real, like, I'll you punch know, in the guts. You'll, you'll do well, but you are definitely going to ruin someone else's day. Oh, speaking of that, I think I had forgotten what a sniper Trent Cochin is. He doesn't, he does not mind just throwing a little, a loose fist under a pack, does he? He, I, I always forget with him because. Yeah. You just don't think of as being dirty, but he is a little kind dirty. Kind of have it, like a reputation for it a little bit. And you and, and and then it just sort of comes out occasionally. Like he was, yeah, he I was, was sniping in that I, game. He was he was not playing a like a proper leadership role, in my opinion. He would. I reckon he is as snipey as Toby Green. Just Toby Green's much more blatant. Toby Green will bloody kick you in the face in broad daylight. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Trent Cotchin? They're going to punch you in the rib, rib tickler. Yeah. Cameras can't even see that, <laughs> mate. You line up your face here. Um, <laughs> he gets into the karate kid pose. You ready? And now that's we, the bounce. They're about, to, <laughs> they're about to flip the coin. He's already kicked the opposition captain in the face and taken out the little kid who was tossing the coin. And stolen the coin. And used the coin to buy concrete, which he's put in a glove, which he's then hit you with. Uh, one, one dollar's worth of concrete, please. Just pour it straight into the glove. And now I've got to wait six hours for it to dry, and then I'm going to clobber someone with it. I don't know how we got sidetracked from our rallying coverage, but uh, as I was saying, <laughs> uh, this is from the Sharon website. It's get to know Matt Rouse. It's only a little forty-five second um, Q and A. So I thought we could just we could just listen to his answer and analyze each of his answers. It's three or four. So the first question is, uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Melbourne, um, eastern suburbs, place called Montalbert. Okay, does that um, surprise you? I don't really know where Mont Albert is. One of those places that, Mont like, Albert. despite having lived in Melbourne at various times, if somebody said, can you take me to Mont Albert, I'd be going, is that 50 kilometres away or is that, like, three kilometres from here? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's like a place – I'm not even sure if it's a real place. Like, you could say, oh, yeah, I live in Mont Albert, and I'm like, yeah, they just made that up. <laughs> that's like I an imaginary mean, place. You think Mount Albert, right? Up the top of that mountain? <laughs> no, Mont. 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 Well, what is a Mont? There's no okay. you in Mont, uh, as we always say in Mont Albert. <laughs> hey, 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 it's Mont Albert. That's, that's our slogan. Did you have any pets growing up? I had a cat called Abby um, when I was younger, and now we've got a dog called Charlie, a little cavoodle. He's got a dog called Charlie. Oh, you know how many people I meet who have dogs called Charlie? You know, Charlie is not an imposing dog name. dog called Will. That's what he's got to do. <laughs> okay. I've been listening to your fucking podcast, dickheads. And you know what oh, I feed him You know tonight? what? I've been reading Michael Warner's book um, oh, yeah. uh, about the AFL, the boys club, and it's great. Like, 
for a man who hates football, he really is at his best when he's like hating football in a professional journalism sort of way rather than the casual everyday way he normally hates football. It's great. He's he's done a really good job with it. It's just so thorough and so interesting. Um, he has two sons, Michael Warner. What are the names oh, yeah. of Michael Warner's two sons? Will and Charlie? Will and Charlie. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they should start a podcast. How old are they? It would still be better than this one. <laughs> All right, the next question for Rowley is, what was your nickname in school? Obvious one's Rowley. Row, Rowley. I've been called that through the juniors as well. <laughs> so nothing, I mean, there's nothing, how do you describe it? it, it he's like a slice of, of the whitest tip top you can think of. You know they what call he him is, Rally. though? Here's what I liked about it, though. He felt the need to explain the etymology of Rowley. <laughs> Like he says, the obvious one's Rowley. Rowl? Rowley. Thanks for walking us through that one, Matt. I wouldn't have got there myself. All right, next question. What's your favourite childhood memory? Favourite's probably like on a Sunday waking up um, for junior footy, just going down to the local ground and, and, and playing. Did you have any doubt that his favourite childhood memory would have to do with football? Like, he, of course it was, just waking up and going to the ground. Well, yeah, on a Sunday morning to play junior footy after he played senior footy on the Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> now, they change gears with this next question. Uh, what's his uh, most played song in 2020? Do you want to oh. hazard a guess? I've watched ahead and I know the answer. Um, I my don't clue even would... know where to start. I'm assuming it's like probably, is he a rock music fan? Yeah, yeah. This artist fits into that category. Um, look, my clues will be this. Australian artist, someone that okay. you are a big fan of, um, and unusual for such a young guy, Paul Kelly. My most played song for 2020 was Leaps and Bounds by Paul Kelly. <laughs> I'm high up on the hill looking over the whatever it is, bridge to the MCG. That's leaps and bounds. It's the song about going to the MCG. His favourite song that he played last year is a song about going to the MCG. <laughs> His second favourite song was That's the Thing About Football by Greg Champion. <laughs> last question is, what is the best bit of advice you've received? Make sure you work hard in everything you do and give everything 100%. <laughs> Nothing surprises me in that apart from the Paul Kelly thing. But even when I think about it, it's not that surprising. <laughs> he is a man old before his years. That is, uh, he is an old head on young shoulders, is our Matt Rowe. Someone told me uh, that we had to check out the Dylan Friends podcast. Apparently there is a, a, an episode with Matt Rowe in which they call Matt's mum and they interrupt her and she's making Matt's favourite dish, which is... Chorizo pasta. Chorizo pasta. <laughs> You serious? Yeah, I'll see if I can get a clip for it. Oh, yeah, we've got to play that. Uh, so that was a bit of a, a, a mini insight, a mini profile of Matt Rao, which dovetails nicely into our pocket profile pocket. This is, we gave a bit of sizzle to this last week because, Will, this is, this is one I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It's our old favourite, Chris Fagan, when he was playing for the Devonport Mitsubishi Blues, which was, I assume, like a, a Tasmanian uh, yeah. a football team. Um, well, it doesn't say what year this was done, but it looks like the mid eighties to me. Okay. Um, 
Uh, it was in the Mercury. Okay, so player profile, Chris Fagan. How, before we get started, how well do you think you know? Because this is hard because you're not getting in the mind of the Chris Fagan. I know him we now, know and love, but yeah. I don't have any idea of what it's he like, was before. It's like Looper. <laughs> you know the bald old Bruce Willis, but you don't know Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And to be fair, I mostly know our extrapolation of what we believe him to be rather than what he's actually like. So even my idea of what he's like now is largely guided by pure speculation on our behalf. Okay, so let's get into it. The uh, the Devonport Mitsubishi Blues, do you want to have a stab at what their mascot is? Because even though they're the Blues, they have an animal mascot. Oh, okay. The this, is, this is not for points. Lizards. No, it doesn't have anything to do with the colour. Oh, it's nothing to do with a random blue. marsupial. No, hang oh, on, no. isn't it a marsupial? I don't know no. if it's a marsupial. Yeah, I think the no. Devonport platypi. It's an echidna. Are they marsupials? <laughs> yeah, I think they are. Yes. Okay, are mammals. Okay. They're mammals. What, what's a marsupial do? Don't they lay eggs? They? No. Okay, hang on. No, no, no. Oh, good. <laughs> But it's a good area for us to wander into without having any idea. I saw an echidna in my garden like two days ago. I don't think they lay eggs. That's platypie. The platypie yeah, lay echidnas eggs? might. No. Like, what else do they do? But marsupials, what, what defines a marsupial? <laughs> Pouches. Good area. Good area for us. <laughs> Well, let's, we'll leave that. We'll just uh, get, hit us up on uh, Two Guys, One Cup AFL Twitter if you can tell us what a Carl, who's a regular listener, is just throwing his phone out of the window. All right. <clears throat> let's get into it, Will. Name? Uh, Chris Fagan. Uh, now, do you remember the club he plays for? The Devonport something blue uh, echidnas. Devonport Blues, Mitsubishi Blues. <laughs> yeah, I just actually I didn't realise he played for the Mitsubishi Blues. <laughs> they always used to lose to the Mitsubishi Reds, which were much better. <laughs> much better. <laughs> Maybe that's what got Ben Cousins in trouble in the first place. <laughs> he was like, no, no, I meant the Mitsubishi Blues. I'm a big Chris Fagan fan. <sighs> you never want to play the Mitsubishi Reds on a on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Real tough, fucking cranky. Tough training on a Tuesday after a loss. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was he? What's his favourite position? Missionary. Uh, um, um, I'll give you a hint. He plays in in the middle. Um, a ruck rover. Rover. Uh, I would have thought he was taller than that. They don't give his height. Oh no, they do. Oh no, he's small. Right, or at least when this interview is conducted, he's 172 centimetres. <laughs> at least when this interview was conducted, as if he had some growth spurt post his professional sporting career. You're right. I mean, I'm assuming he's in his mid-20s when he did yeah, this. I think he's growing, he's done. So he must, we, can, we can lock this off. He must be tiny, because it says he's 172 centimetres. That's like six, I'm 5'11", 5'10", 5'11", and he's six centimetres shorter than me. So he's, he's tiny. Is that how tall is Caleb Daniel? He doesn't look small, though. I would have thought he was like like you, big Ruck Rover type. Yeah, same. Okay. Um, He's got a big presence. Where was, he, where, was he, where was he born? Uh, well, I guess he's Tasmanian, maybe. Is he? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming uh, this is somewhere in Tasmania. It's definitely a place in New Zealand as well. Okay. Um, Auckland. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. Queenstown. Queenstown. Uh, what year was he born? 
Okay, so this is in the 80s. He's a professional footballer. He's probably like, oh, he just recently turned 60. So uh, 1961. Correct. Well deduced, Sherlock. Um, how much did he weigh at 172 kilos? Uh, I'm going to say probably 78 kilograms. Only 70 kilos. He was like a yeah, flea. Right. He was tiny. Okay. Uh, he was recruited from Sandy Bay Football Club. And then we get to the good stuff. What was his nickname? Fight. And let me just say, there is no, I'm assuming there is no play on his actual name. Like it's not Oliver Twist or anything like that, Fagan, Chris. It's just, it, what they are is just two separate names. And I'm going to give you a hint. One of the names uh, had a lot to do with Spaghetti Westerns. And the other name um, had a had a long relationship with the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. <laughs> Vince? This, yes! I thought that was you were never gonna get that. I thought that was a terrible clue. Well done. Spaghetti right. Westerns, I I'm uh is it like an actor in Spaghetti Westerns, a director of Spaghetti Westerns? Well, uh, like just a, a, a famous name music? to emerge. From Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, Clint. No. Sergio, as in Sergio Leone. Oh, <laughs> so his two nicknames right. were Sergio or Vince. Firstly, Chris Fagan has two nicknames, two very distinct nicknames that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> also, let's bring back Sergio. <laughs> Sergio. Can, can he start demanding that in press conferences, journalists only refer to him as Sergio? <laughs> Well, Sergio and Vince are both, like Vincent, are both Italian. Maybe there's, yeah. maybe Chris Fagan has a little Italian or something. Um, well, he's a little Italian and <laughs> he's only 172 centimetres tall. You know what? Sergio. I love it. I'm Sergio. He's absolutely a Sergio for me. Uh, what year did he play his first senior game? Uh, all right. So uh, he was probably 19. So I'm going to say 1980. Uh, 1978. He was 17. Um, right. So at this point, he'd played 218 games. Do you want to list off some of his football honours? You just, just randomly name things that he Best might have Best and fairest at yes. the uh, Devonport Blues? At Hobart Sandy in the Teal oh, okay. Cup and in the state team in 81, 82, 83, 84. What else? Um, he, would he, would, he, was he a good enough player to have won like the whatever the Tasmanian... Football League medal is like the good. He was a he was a runner up one year. That's very good. And what's okay. the last one? It's a, it's a media uh, award. It's a media award mm. um, for his oh. football. I oh, like so he won like the the Hobart Mercury Player of the Year or something. Yeah, close. The ABC Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. uh, is he is he married? Uh, at that stage, he is now. Uh, I'm going to say he was then. Yeah, and you know what his wife's name is. Uh, no. Give us a clue. Um, oh, there is a famous character. It begins with you. Oh, it begins with you. Yeah. Um, no, well, so it begins not... with you. <laughs> with you. <laughs> no, it's actually, certainly not let... Mont Albert. <laughs> <laughs> the letter U. Uh, uh, Ulysses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sergio Fagan is married to Ulysses. Uh, Ursula. Ursula. Oh, uh, does he have kids at this stage? Yes. 
Yes, he has a daughter called Jessica. Um, does he have siblings? Yes. Okay, he has two brothers and one sister. Give me their first names. Um, Greg? No. Mark? Nah. <laughs> Neil? <laughs> Is it, the sister's called Neil? David Grant and Anne-Marie. Okay, what's his occupation away from football? And it is a genuine occupation. And you, I reckon you could see some of that in his coaching, how he's put this team together. You, you sort of see this relationship with his players. Oh, okay, so um, a teacher? A teacher. He's a senior teacher. Uh, he attended St. Joseph's and Murray High School. What's his favourite pastimes and hobbies? <laughs> now, this is an answer I would imagine that Matt Rowell would give. Well, at least the first part. Um, yeah. What are some of his favourite <clears throat> pastimes and hobbies? He says three things. Uh, playing Four football? Things. No, pastimes and hobbies. Not to do with it, but, you know. what Watching football? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a very common activity. Again, you know, Matt Rowell is a big fan of this. Um, uh, Matt Rowell's a big fan of it as well. Um, the beach. In recent weeks, we've found out that, no, Matt Rowell never goes to the beach. He wears like 400 <laughs> SPF. I'm not saying that he likes to just tan on the beach, lay on the beach. I'm just saying that he might go down there for a swim or something. Um, uh, we've learned we've, recently... That Matt Rowe like has a as a hobby. Um, what is his hobby? Oh, okay, plants. Uh, gardening. To do with plants. Gardening. Yeah, okay. gardening. Uh, he likes listening. He also likes listening to music, golf, and Ben Cunnington likes this one too. Fishing. Fishing. Okay. <laughs> what is his favourite food? And he gives a cheeky Fagin-y, little Chris Fagan answer here. His favourite food. And it's a it's actually a quite a heartwarming response. It's sweet. Uh anything my wife makes. Anything my wife cooks. And then in brackets, beautiful. <laughs> Sergio. <laughs> Stop it. Uh he says anything my wife cooks, beautiful. What more could I say? What's his favourite drink? And he gives another little gag here. This is a bit more of a your uncle's kind of, uh, he busts out a gag and then follows up with a, a, an actual drink, a non-alcoholic drink. Um, so his favorite drink. No, no, you, it's a two-parter answer. The first part, yeah. he cracks a gag um, about a drink. Well, it's going to be too hard for you to guess. All right, I'll just give you the oh. answer because <laughs> it, it's very funny. Favorite drink. Well, you can beat an egg. But you can't beat a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't know how I was going to give you a clue for that. That's up. Um, and his second favourite. You can favorite. beat an egg, but you can't beat a cup of tea. I hope that that is still in the repertoire. I hope around the Brisbane Cup club rooms occasionally somebody's like, hey, Faye, Sergio, do you need a drink? And he goes, well, like I always say, you can beat an egg. Like, All right, folks, we get it. Do you want a cup of tea or not? His other favourite drink is Major Munchies Milkshakes from St. Helens. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, what's his favourite sport apart from football? He names four sports. And this is pretty common for, I reckon, for an Australian. Cricket? Yep. Golf? Yep. Um, then tennis? No, nah, then that's a bit more vague. One is oh, okay. just a location more than a sport. 
the the beach beach and then uh, last one is fishing all right here we go listen this is some, this is some juicy content who is his favorite singer or group he gives two answers um first answer is a he's a big musical star in the 80s uh with two first names and the second was a lead singer of a band. I don't know. I'll give you a hint for this. Just go for the first one. Two first names. Big star in the 80s. Late Billy 70s and 80s. Joel. Billy Joel. And his second one, well, let's say if you were in Sydney, you might take this guy to get from one part of Sydney to the other. <laughs> Johnny Uber? <laughs> it's like, it's Brian Ferry? Brian Ferry. <laughs> I was like literally going, someone bridge? <laughs> bridge Jeff Bridges? <laughs> Bridges to Clow? Oh, mate. Where's his favourite night spot? Oh, can you just see Fags getting down to some Brian Ferry, just cutting some moves to Piano Man on the dance floor? Um, all right. So is, is it a Devonport night spot, do you think? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. He's a gentleman. And it's a very humble response. It's similar to his answer about his favourite food. So what's okay, his favourite so night spot? Ho- home with my wife. Anywhere with good friends and reasonable food. <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> I mean, you can't get much more humble than that. As long as it's not slop, call old Sergio's happy. He wants reasonable food. <laughs> reasonable. Now, we've got good friends. Can we find somewhere with reasonable food? <laughs> Everybody, thanks for coming. I'm so excited. We're going to get this restaurant. It's got one star. Apparently, the food is reasonable. reasonable. But I believe that the good company will outweigh the reasonableness or otherwise of the food. Uh, what's his favorite TV show? Yeah. Um, um, well, it won't be a cooking show because, like, a reasonable food is what he's aiming well, for. So he he likes any sport, live sport, or replay. Um, but his favourite show is a legendary. I'll, I'll give it away if I say. Uh, he, I believe this was the first sitcom in which the cast got, a, or at least one of the cast was getting a Cheers. million dollars an episode. Cheers. That's true, right? Ted Danson was getting yep, a million an episode so. or something. Yeah. Uh, what's his favourite movie? Two bloody Australian classics, mate. Two Australian classics within made within, I reckon, a decade of when this interview was conducted, before this interview was conducted. Uh, One is an cro- absolute... Crocodile Dundee? No. No. Mad I mean, I mean, I mean je- well, one is a genuine classic, like an absolute, like holds oh, up okay. today and is, 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 is heartbreaking. And the other one is a very inspirational kind of sports biopic. Okay, so... Australian classics. Is it about a sports person? One is, well, maybe not or a person. Or is it about a horse? <laughs> you've, you've bested me well in this battle of wits. <laughs> it no, is like a horse. Farlap. And the other one is like a legit like cinema a man, classic. The man from Snowy River. No, no, no. no. Um, it's different tone. You know, completely different subject matter. Australian. It, it, it means a lot to a lot of Australians. The film and the event. Um, uh, the film. What do you? Well, what are your legs? <laughs> Gallipoli. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, who, of course it was Gallipoli. Who was the biggest influence on his career? 
his dad. His dad, Austin, his coach, Paul Sproul, and Roland Crosby, who helped me get my career going again. Who is his most admired uh, sportsman? And he says who it is, and then he gives a, 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 he explains who the person is. So I'll just tell you that this person won over 100 international 400-meter hurdle races in a row. Was it something Moses? It was. Well done, Edward Moses. I feel yeah. like this has been the most impressive. This is this is like been a game of one percenters. You haven't been flashy, but you've been there where it counts. You go on, you're putting your head over the ball and you're just going for the hard ones. And, and I, I'm, I'm impressed, Will. Even if you don't win this, I think, you know, we've got a lot of Will fans have got a lot to be excited about <laughs> for pocket well, profiles coming. I've, like I'm pleasantly surprised at how well I've known Chris Fagan, is what I'll say. Okay. Who was his boyhood idol and this guy was a fucking he was beloved by tigers fans in this in the 70s and early 80s considered like just courageous and tough oh um courageous and tough that's yeah there's very famous footage of him bleeding um no don't know francis burke okay uh what's his match day routine Oh, jeez, I try and put on my bloody shorts, but I slip over and occasionally I get stuck and then i got to get Urshela to come in and... <laughs> Ursh! Ursh! <laughs> um, okay, now this is actually, this is an interesting answer and this maybe sort of speaks to the coach, the incubant uh, coach. Um, what's his match day routine? He gives an interesting, thoughtful answer. What do you think... Uh, what, what do you think, sir? You know, he sort of goes beyond the question, digs a bit deeper. Uh, I try to keep calm and think about what I'm going to achieve that day. Close. He's saying it's easy to have routines broken, so I don't have one. Oh. I like to get out to the ground early and watch reserves. I like that. Oh, it's a, okay. shows a thoughtful Men man. Men people too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was his biggest disappointment? Uh, is it a, like a career thing? Is it like a personal thing? It's Car- a career, career thing. thing. Like yeah. like losing uh, a grand final or like yep and biggest yeah. thrill winning a grand final winning a grand final you're in the pocket uh, what's his favorite ground to play on uh, he gives two answers De- Devonport Oval yep and North Hobart and what is his football ambition to coach. Hopefully to contribute to the long-term success of uh, the Devonport Football Club and after that, to coach if the opportunity arose. Wow. Isn't that a happy ending? Mate, how is that for like, because back when he's saying that, he never would have, and there was a time where it looked like it was never going to happen. And then for him to be living this dream he had when he was playing football in Devonport. The more You know what the great thing about Chris Fagan is? The more you learn about him, the more you like him. Yeah, it's true. Here's to you, Sergio. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's just rip through the mailbag before we go. If you want to send us a message, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys One Cup AFL. We're also on Instagram. We post stuff from there to time from time to time. Um, You can also find some other podcasts we do at tofop.com. Will does one called Willosophy. Who's on this week? Will Um, Owen Eastwood is on my uh, podcast this week. He is a Sports psychologist, I guess, is probably the best way to describe what it is he does. He works with the British Olympic team at the moment, but he's worked with like the South African cricket team, a whole range of other sports. But the podcast is very much just about life and life philosophy and this idea of 
this Maori concept called, well, it's spelt waka papa, W-H, but it's actually pronounced like in a way that I certainly don't want to make fun of because, you know, cultural sensitivities, but it's pronounced mm. waka papa. So, um, but this idea of waka papa, which is about the connection uh, we are as human beings between like, we often as human beings, and I think it relates to sport a lot, we think ourselves as the end of the chain, whereas everyone who came before has contributed to you being there, but right. there will also be people after you. We are just in the middle of the chain and we should be thinking as much about what we leave as what came before us. It's 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 really cool. And I bet that uh, Chris Fagan would be a subscriber to Paka Papa. So uh, Owen Eastwood is on Velocity this week. There's also a new episode of Tofop, which is a bit like this with slightly less football chat. Um, we get into a bunch of stuff, but uh, probably the highlight of the episode is revisiting the career of Peter Russell Clark. Uh, there's a few clips online. If you if you think it's going to be your cup of tea, then maybe check out wow. the episode. It's all at tofop.com. Uh, but Will, John uh, has written in to say, has anyone suggested the banger bus for halves as the equivalent of the Teague train? <laughs> I'm all for that. Get on the banger bus. <laughs> That's how they recruit. They like lure people in, thinking that they've got like everyone's dressed in like you know Brisbane Lions or like Western Bulldogs jerseys, and then suddenly they rip them off and it's St Kilda. And you're like, oh well, I'm already here. Might as well keep going. Josh says, with all the teams now uh, moving south, is it the perfect time to road test the Suns moving to Tassie? Maybe in a ra- maybe an eight round rebrand. Well, I mean, if they start winning games there, I wonder if there would be a push. If suddenly, like, you know, the Suns start going berserk and Matt Rowell's racking up 30 touches a game and they don't lose from here on in playing in Tassie, do you think they'd have a look? Well, you know, the Tasmanian Premier said that people should go to the game and boo Tony Cochran. Like, if they were in Tasmania for eight weeks, I just want to see what the Premier will up his game. Like, each week he'll be like, here's where he's staying, go around and egg him. Uh, so there's a few people who've let us know that on Luke Shuey's Insta story, there's uh, footage of Nick Nat FaceTiming with uh, LeBron James. So when it comes to the question of who would you have at your dinner party, it seems like Nick Nat could legitimately have LeBron at his dinner party. Uh, Jack says, Nick Revolt had another swipe at Reece Stanley on the couch. Is Nick just playing the long game to set up a celebrity UFC fight against Reese? Maybe that's what he's doing, a bit of like Jake Paul kind of action. He's just going to keep on calling out Reese, and they can have a prize fight. I believe there is going to be a prize fight between AFL identities at the end of the year in a rural area, and um, like they've got they've got a whole bunch of like big name sort of ex AFL people that are going to go and like I think Nathan Brown's this? going to fight Kane Corns or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that sort of shit. What? Like, I mean, not necessarily that, but like I would pay get... to see someone punch Kane Corns. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they they think people would pay to see it as well, which is why they're trying to put it together. Did you see Kane, the little twerp, came out this week and was talking about uh, the Bulldogs should train um, uh, Jamara? Yeah. They're like, they should trade him. It's like, yeah, they don't need him. It's like, yeah, that's it. He he must laugh to himself after he sends off one of those tweets or after he does an appearance on Footy Classified because it's so outrageous now. Well, you know what I love? Did you see Damien Hardwick? Because uh, somebody asked him a question at a press conference and they were just like, some experts have said that it's all over for you this year. And he was referring to Kane Corns and um, Matthew Lloyd, I think, might, might have also said that, you know, Richmond couldn't win it this year. And Hardwick, like, literally came back with, well, you've got to be careful about who you call experts. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Adam says, hey, I made this eBay purchase of these footy books for my daughter. They were published in 2005. They have unlocked the secret of Shin Bonus Spirit. So it's a bunch of kids' books. So it's, uh, I think I remember these where they, you can request to have like, you know, you can be put into the story. So it's Robert Rock's The Coach's Box. That's the Collingwood story. Oh, yeah. Bomber Betty's Bug Beating Brew. And Libby Loves Her Legendary Lions. So someone then followed up. I think it was Adam saying, in the Bombers uh, children's book, 2005, all the players get sick except James Heard. So they give them all a secret bug-beating brew. <laughs> except for James Heard. I mean, I don't know if they take them to an off-site location to give them the bug-beating brew. Um, all the players get better than Heard. He gets sick, but then he has some during the game and comes out and dominates. Do you think that's where James Heard got the idea for the supplements? I was just reading this book to my kids and I had an idea. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so Katie says, I was watching the Saints win against the Tigers. Um, does it make you happy or angry because they made you feel happiness again like a drug hit and you know the withdrawal pains coming again? I think I went through all those emotions. I think I was angry, anno annoyed, then I was happy for them and then I was annoyed again. Um, it's a wonderful relationship. Uh Annie says, do you think modern captains need to be pretty, polished, media savvy, etc.? Are we past the days of the more old-fashioned, salt-of-the-earth country-type footballers being an AFL captain? If so, is that a shame? I don't think we're past that. I feel like every second interview, maybe not the captains, but there's plenty of those country footballers still in the game, like when they get interviewed. Yeah, and I think that the access to those players is widened out. So it's not like just the captain who's speaking on behalf of your club anymore, like you know, senior leaders do, you know, it like Jack Rewalt goes on AFL 360. Like in the old days, that just would have been the captains of the club. But now you hear from senior leaders all the time. Yeah. And I do, I like the ones where they get a kid who like, maybe it's his first time where he's, you know, kicked three goals or something and he has not had enough media training and they talk themselves into like a corner. <laughs> they just keep talking and talking and talking, but not, don't know where to finish the sentence. It's the greatest like they thing of all time. It was fucking shit. Did you see that goal? I kicked shit. It was fantastic. <laughs> fuck, man. Anyway, I'm sorry I said fuck. I shouldn't say fuck on TV. Anyway, you know what? It's just what the coach said. The other team are a pack of weak pricks and they are weak pricks. And like, you know, like some of my teammates didn't play very well today, but I had a ripper. So it's anyway, it's good to be here. Uh, right, and that's the end of the mailbag. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening and for getting in touch with us. Again, that address is at Two Guys One Cup AFL, same one for Instagram, which reminds me every Thursday afternoon we do our tips. So uh, I'll put a message up on the story on our Instagram page to give you a certain time, but generally around 5 p.m. we try and do the tips. Um, you got anything else you want to say? No, I wish I had shows the plug, but they've all been cancelled. <laughs> uh, play on, not 15. Well... We are two guys.